welcome to the Melanin Marvels podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Adrian. I'm Anika. And I'm Divi. And to celebrate Black History Month, today we're going to share some of our favorite Black characters from comics and graphic novels that you may not have heard of. We'll also be taking some time to celebrate some Black community leaders that are doing heroic and impactful work. And we are also joined alongside our special guest, Greg. So Greg, welcome to the show. Hey. I'm honored to be on your show. I'm Greg, or Gregory, whatever you want to call me. Um, I went to UIT for life science. I finished that program. Then I went to General College for physiotherapy assistant slash occupational therapy assistant, or PTA, OTA. Now I'm out of that, and I'm just looking for a job. Uh, what else? I really like anime. I've liked it since high school. No, even since I was a kid, but didn't realize it was anime until like high school. Um, what else? I like sports. Well, playing sports, not really watching. Uh, what else? I've started doing art and a bit of reading. We'll tag uh, Greg's Instagram pages down below and you can check out some of his art and his comic books that he shares. Be nice. As mentioned, this month, to celebrate Black History Month, all of us has gathered our favorite Black heroes from graphic novels and comics to talk about, share, and celebrate. So, to get us started, Anika, tell us one of the characters that you chose to highlight today. So, I feel like a lot of people would expect me to do Storm, but Storm's not one of my choices. Instead, the other one is Sojourner Joe Mullen from Far Sector. So, Far Sector is actually from DC Young Animal. And it's supposed to be 12 issues. We're currently going to get the 10th issue this month. The writer of it is a famous Black author, N.K. Jemison. She writes a lot of fantasy. And the illustrator is actually a Toronto man, Jamal Campbell. We met him at Fan Expo 2019. <laughs> her powers is that she is a Green Lantern, but the difference is that her ring is different than the other Green Lanterns in that her ring has a limit and the other Green Lantern rings has it's like attached to a power battery, but she doesn't have that. Hers replenishes itself. But I think apparently she only has one year to make a change. The book is called Far Sector because she's in the farthest sector possible. Like it's so far that like we don't even know what the sector is. Okay, so why I like her is that she not only represents black females, but she's also a relatable character because she grew up with a troubled, kind of like a troubled home life. And she was smart and went to, to college, but the thing, she was accepted to college, I should say, but she ended up going to become a soldier. And then when she came back to America, she became a cop. And then the book kind of highlights how she struggled with that, like with the whole racial thing and like feeling like indifferent because obviously cops are doing stuff and like she's against that. So it's kind of relatable. And she's just a badass female. <laughs> yes, Anika, yes. You mentioned, oh, yeah, no, please, go ahead. I was gonna say, oh, you mentioned Far Sector in our 
first episode, I believe. Yeah. So one thing I was interested to know is like, can you describe like what's her personality like? So Joe is actually bisexual, but it's not shoved down your throat and it doesn't feel like pandering because it just feels like natural and just like, oh, it's just another another aspect of her. But her personality, she's cool. Like I would want to be her friend. She's smart. She's got a little sense of humor, some sass. Okay, so the character I want to highlight is Lunella Lafayette, also known as Moon Girl. Um, so she is part of the Marvel Universe and she debuted in Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur issue one on uh, in November 2015, so six years ago or almost six years ago now. So the character was created by um, Brandon Montclair and Amy Reader. Um, an, an additional artist is Natasha Bustos. I'm gonna like give a little explanation on her story. So Lunella is a nine-year-old girl living on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Um, and she's actually described as the smartest character existing in the Marvel Universe. Um, and so in school, she's bullied by her classmates. They call her Moon Girl because she's super smart. And so this leads her to like daydream and like invent a bunch of strange things. So everybody bullies her for these things, which, you know, she listen, she's smart. Like she's a young black girl. She's just trying to do her things. Okay, so the series like follows um, her essentially like creating a partnership with Devil Dinosaur. So she um, opens like a portal through a device that she creates, Devil Dinosaur comes through, and then she learns that she can communicate with him because they share this mental link. Um, and then she goes on a mission to, do, to retrieve this device, and then she gets into a sticky situation, and Devil Dinosaur saves her, and then a bunch of other stuff happens, and then they become like partners that go on adventures. And I mean, like in terms of her school, her cred at school, obviously hanging out with a dinosaur doesn't help her like be normal. Um, but like as they go on their adventure, she kind of decides that she doesn't want to be normal and she like embraces all of her quirkiness and like her her like her nerdiness and like all this stuff. And so I, 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 I really like that. Um, and so a list of her, I'll give you like a list of her powers. Um, she, well, she has super genius intellect, but I don't know that this is a, a power, just that she's super smart and I feel like we can just appreciate that. Her main power is that she can, she shares that mental link with Devil Dinosaur. And then she also started, um, like experiencing that when she, um, starts to have strong emotions and like rage and like angry she can actually transfer her consciousness into devil dinosaur and then so their consciousness swaps um so i i feel like that's like a really cool like i mean i feel like that sounds crazy but i think about it like so when bruce banner changes from bruce banner to the hulk all his clothes like rip and like everything's terrible but when lunella which is her consciousness with the devil dinosaur, she didn't have to worry about her outfits, okay? She just gets to be a dinosaur, and I think that's pretty fantastic. So there you go. Um, yeah, so that's why I think she's super cool. I think she's super smart and amazing, and she gets to hang out with the dinosaur, which I think is cool despite what those kids say. Oh, that's pretty awesome. One thing I've always wondered, because I know you mentioned um, Moongo's been around for about six years. I was, as 
Bloom Girl ever made an appearance outside of like her comics, like in like an animated or movie sense? Yeah, okay, so they, they are making a show. It's saying that it's actually gonna come out this year. But I think it's a good idea. I was thinking like, like, you know, because yes, we have started to get a lot of black heroes in the Marvel universe, like in the cinematic universe and things like that. And that's good. But I, I like this because it's like for a younger crowd. She's a nine year old girl, right? And like to see a young black girl, like in STEM, like creating all her inventions, going on crazy adventures and she rollerblades. I think that's cool. I'm excited for everyone. <laughs> Alright, yo, that's awesome. I think I, I have yet to sort of dive into to Moon Girl, but from what you mentioned, sounds real cool. Oh, oh, sorry. Fun fact. Um, when I did my like thesis project, I guess by at this point it's a couple years ago. Um, I was deciding between her and Riri to to um to cosplay as. So she was one of the top contenders because Moon Girl is awesome. Proceed. Doing a rollerblade too. With the rollerblade, that was actually I was like, I'm not coordinated enough to do this. <laughs> Fair so enough. For her. <laughs> All right. So for my choice, I chose a an interesting one, and my choice is Harriet Tubman was my selection through the graphic novel Harriet Tubman Demon Slayer. So this was a graphic novel slash comic that debuted in March 27, uh, 2017, created by David Crownson. And shout outs to the artists. We have Cortland Ellis, Joey Vasquez, and Dana Ferdez. So the cool part about this for some context, um, the graphic novel is like a fictional take on like the real life conductor of the Underground Railroad, Harry Tubman, uh, who freed approximately a thousand slaves in her history and is known as one of the nation's fiercest abolitionists and freedom fighters. So the creator decided to take a different spin on it and include demons. So, you know, Abraham Lincoln did it, so why not Harry Tubman? And I have to say, right now, the series is five issues deep. I've read three of the five, but I have to say, Harriet is this complete badass. So she's cool. Not only is the representation of the strong black woman, but also dual wielding katanas, killing racist white slave owner vampires. What else would you want to ask for? <laughs> but on top of that, uh, they do a fantastic job developing the character of her being not only fierce, but having a lot of heart. Um, in the, I won't spoil too much, but you see a family that's trying to escape from a plantation that they're on, and seeing Harriet interact with this family, especially when it comes to like the, the little girl who's a part of the, the story, is just really heartwarming to so, so showcase like a soft side to such a strong leader. And I don't think you usually when it comes to, I guess the context of like demon slaying and all that, but also when it comes to like the slave narrative, you don't see a lot of folks sort of highlighted for I guess like there, there's usually a, the victim mentality there but seeing her showcase and also the, the folks who are the supporting characters as well develop and also they highlight the play around with the dynamics of heroism you expect it to be there's like a strong like man who's like the father um, but also seeing him be scared seeing the, the mother be fierce riding the horse throughout the session as well it's really cool series um, one of my highlight moments of it 
is when Harriet makes her like grand appearance. Um, you know, they're the family is encountered with a whole bunch of um, vampires, and they're you know saying obscurities and like sort of questioning like the folks' intelligence. And Harriet has a scene where she has her katana and she's spelling out katana, and she's like K A T A N A. While she's just slicing parts of these vampires as well, it's just how it's been created, how the drawings are all so vivid, it's phenomenal. So strong recommendation for anyone who has interest in it. Um, character strong, witty, loving, and just beautifully drawn and badass. So strong recommendation for Harriet Tubman, my first choice to highlight. Yeah because I feel like I always obviously we've all seen like the slave narrative done to death but it's important that like if they are focusing on that type of narrative that there's complex characters and they're more than slaves so for my first character I decided to highlight I I decided to put I don't want to say my lesser character but the character I feel like I had less to say about hers so it's her name is Alina Abbott from a comic called Abbott uh by Saladin Ahmed and the art is by Sammy Kivella uh let's see what do I like oh I guess I can say it's put out by Boom Studios um it debuted on June 13th 2018 and actually there is um, another comic book series for Abbott coming out called Abbott uh, 1973. And that is coming out January 20th, 2021. So this Wednesday. <laughs> but obviously this will be aired later. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, let's see. She, I guess, what I like about her, well, I'll say what she is. She's a, she's a black woman and it's, the year is, what, 1972. And she's in Detroit. She's uh she worked for a paper, I believe it's called Detroit Daily. So she she's a journalist. She writes her stories and um racism is a uh a, a topic obviously in that. So she works with a lot of white men also, so they do, like pester her, they don't really respect her, but her boss actually really stands up for her and like and says like guys stop it she's a really good reporter shouldn't be saying all the stuff about her etc etc uh some things that i like about her she's not afraid to tell a story without sugarcoating it regardless of what people say so it's like because some of her stories is like exposing uh white cops and like injustices that they uh, perform to the black community and then they're all like why are you doing this but she's telling her the truth so uh, what else? She doesn't fall into the stereotype of a woman. So an example would be her boss said to her, a woman is supposed to be, or supposed to have a man to protect her. And then she responded by saying, I'm, I'm going to pretend that you didn't say that. So I'll see in the, the sense that she don't, she don't need no man to protect yeah. her. <laughs> um, another thing is she's passionate about what she believes in and she'll pursue it no matter what. So I guess kind of without to spoil the story, I'll give it like a quick synopsis. So Abbott is about 
these, um, I guess, murders going on in Detroit. And it's, so she, how do I explain? It's, <laughs> so it's these murders happening in Detroit, but it's like, it's between like, say it might be like a mutilated horse, like a, 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 they'll find the head of a horse or the body of something, or they'll find the head of a person or it's the body of a person. But oh. usually is always, from the ones that I saw, it was always a black male victim. So it's about that, but there's also some magic in it too. So without going too much into detail, it's um, she's just trying to figure out who is committing these murders, like what's happening. And yeah, it takes her on a, a whole journey. It was really interesting. That also sounds terrifying. It would be terrifying if you were in her shoes. <laughs> yeah. How how are those images? They look very nice. The, the colors that they use to um, I guess kind of show like an ominous thing in the air. It's 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 really it's like I can't even like do it justice explaining. It. it looks really nice. You need to like read yourself and like see how it looks. Yeah. I find it interesting that the author of that is actually the author of the current run of Miles Morales. Oh, is it? I didn't realize. <laughs> that being said, to be the disturber or instigator, yeah. how do you guys feel about this guy who's non-black but writing all of these black characters? Yeah, I Theory, that. yes. Especially because with Abbott, it seems like race and gender is a huge theme, but the author is neither black nor a female so like does that change it, how you feel or it it i would say it would but like do you feel does, like conflicted i do because he does a good job in like yeah. portraying not just her but the other um black people in the story mm -hmm. so it's like it's it's unfortunate i'm sure other people i guess could have done it too but he did a good job in representing them yeah, and he does a good sense. job with Miles too. So it's not yeah. to say, it's not to, I feel like a lot of people would view our discussions as just being haters against non-black or non-whatever. But like, so obviously he's a person of color himself. He's a BIPOC person. And like, he does an amazing job at what he does. It's just, I too would feel kind of conflicted. Cause it's like, mm -hmm. I'm so, I'm, I fight so hard for representation and the proper representation and it's like he's giving representation yes like we love the representation that he is giving to us however we're looking at it and it's like black not black mm -hmm. female not female because then yeah. like also sorry uh it was also nominated for a hugo award for best graphic story i don't think it won but it was nominated and like in the story, I've got to mention there's like hints thing that like hints at her being bisexual also. So, it, it, and as you were saying, it's not like it's just constantly shoved in your face. It's like little hints here and there. So, it was a nice touch. Also, I just like to say I really like that all of our first like uh, characters that we picked were like strong badass like women and girls. So I'm very pleased with that. <laughs> and black women and girls, importantly. <laughs> yeah. 
think the one thing I wanted to, I think there's a good point there when it comes to the author being on black, but like you know, writing these stories. And I think one thing to note as well is, what am I trying to say? Like maybe knowing, it would be great to know what their process was in sort of creating their characters as well because I think there's a lot that goes into sort of the creation of a character and of the series that we don't see behind the scenes as well. And I'd be interested to look them up as well to see what their sort of work is or interview to see what their process is because they could very well be also like consulting with like other folks as well in order to get a sense as to like what sort of how to make sure that the characters that they have are reflective of the actual experience. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's one thing this sort of why because I think as folks correct me with this too I think the one other way to look at it is that the person had like the opportunity to create this story and created space to highlight highlight this because it could have been they could have taken it in a different direction they didn't have to take that angle as well but that's being true. able to take the space to like intentionally create this series revolving like this person's experience and ensuring that there are those intersections of like gender race sexuality incorporated there um while i haven't seen or i haven't read the comic i think it's something that i don't know because it's important for us to acknowledge as well when it comes to being able to acknowledge the space that they have and the opportunity they had to create this and then being able to highlight those stories but also important in order to know who's in the room in writing and how they're sort of creating these characters as well. Yeah, it's true because, like, obviously, I read a lot. I like to read BIPOC things. So there's a well-known. She's she's become well-known now, an author, and she wrote a book, Dear Martin, Dear Justice. She's actually done like novels for Shuri and stuff, but. Her name's Nick Stone, and the majority of her best-selling books are from the perspective of men, like a young young men or boys. So in that, she said that a lot of people think that she's a guy because she goes by Nick. But the thing is, when she's doing her whole writing process, like she makes sure to talk to the people who, whose stories she'd be telling to make sure that it's as accurate as possible. I'm like, that's important. In order to, to give representation, you have to talk to the people who you're trying to represent. I also, because like I do obviously think that like con, con, like consulting with the people you're trying to represent, obviously that's like extremely important. But I think this is like my, this is like my real problem with like white writers writing stories about black people and other racialized populations because like yes you know i am sure especially with like how well the story's been received i'm sure you know he does speak to people of that um community to get insight but at the same time i feel like we live because we live in an era of a lot of social media there are a lot of bipoc writers out there screaming to be recognized so like, you know, fine, okay, even if this writer, he came up with an idea, like I feel like having a co-writer, somebody that is part of that community that has been like named and recognized for participating as like an actual person on there, instead of him just like consulting these nameless 
um, people. You do you know what I mean? Because there's power in that when someone's name appears on something. And I'm sure they can find somebody who is black to help write that story. So like, yes, we can say, okay, he's a great, this the, the white author is a great ally, but how great are you really if you're not pushing for black people to be in those spaces? Because that's important and, and that, that creates change. You know what I mean? Yeah. One piece though, I, are you, if you're referring to the author of the book Gregory was talking about, I'm pretty sure they, they're Lebanese and Egyptian. Uh, I will, uh, there has been documented a lot of anti-Black racism within the Lebanese community. I will just leave that at that because we don't have the time to delve into that. Okay, more, more so on the branding of the person being white as well as more so addressing. Okay, yeah, my yeah, identity. yeah. Well, so, but like even still, like I just, you know what the thing is, I think a lot of people think that only white people are racist towards black people, especially because we live in North America. But the fact of the matter is anti-black racism is a global issue because in so many communities it's there. So if a black writer isn't involved in in the crea creation of these stories, I think I honestly think that's a serious problem because one, just in terms of like, who's profiting off of these stories and two, how are we really ensuring that the nuanced complexities of the story is, is being included. So my second character I chose, his name is Morris Sackett, aka Mosaic. And the company that created this book is Marvel with this guy's debut was in Uncanny Inhumans number 11 from June 2016. So He's an inhuman and his solo started October 2016 and it ran until May 2017. So it was a pretty short run. The writer of this is Jeffrey Thorne and the illustrator is Kari Randolph, which I think he does the art for one of Adrian's later ones because I peeked. Uh, so his power is that he's an inhuman and his powers were awakened with the Terrigen Mist. And he's a cocky basketball player. So when it starts off, you don't really like him. But when his, he gets his powers, he realizes that he can, he basically doesn't have his body anymore. He's just like a form. And then he takes on other people's bodies. Like he kind of like goes into their body and he downloads their whole consciousness, their whole, all their memories and everything. And then he goes on to the next place. But his name's Mosaic because as he goes to different people, he keeps parts of them. So because of that, <laughs> because of that, he is intelligent. He knows multiple languages. He has multiple skills because he took a little bit out of everybody. And the reason why I like him is because he started off cocky, but then throughout his story, you see him evolving as a person where he, he realizes, okay, like, I can't be like this. Like people have feelings or like whatever. So yeah, I like, I like him because of that. That is such a cool concept. Like so cool. I, I feel like that makes him like, almost like an art piece. That's so cool. No, it does though, you know, like the whole mosaic thing. That's so cool. Also, on the other hand, schizophrenia, but proceed. He's super superior athlete, multilingual, gifted intellect, expert pilot, which apparently 
he because he's an inhuman is why he had all that superior athleticism but he didn't know he was an inhuman but his dad did and he basically sold him out to these other people and like sold his soul essentially yeah (laughs) everything that he everything that he thought was real was not real at all like his girlfriend was paid she signed a contract oh my god i need to read this that's all i yes so wait question so he wasn't inhuman already i think he got turned into by the terrigen mist no because no so what how the inhumans operate it's kind of like it's kind of like you're a, a mutant i guess okay but like it's it's activated by that terrigen mist okay gotcha so like the basically how his his dad sold him out they were waiting for eventually when his inhuman whatever was activated so before that he already had like superior athleticism yeah. but then with the whole inhuman thing they were waiting because they didn't know what his power was going to be but like they wanted to use that whatever power it was because yeah, i read that it was it was really good so yeah the first one yeah right <laughs> okay i gotta pick it up too because that sounds so cool <laughs> Yeah, I was looking through some of the some of the stills of the comics while you're talking about it, and it looks pretty cool. Love the concept, love the art. Like I think it showed a, a panel of him dunking on some folks. Yeah. <laughs> um, in one of the early issues. When it ended, I'm like, okay, but where's the rest? Like you basically <laughs> don't hear about him anymore. Like he could be used. Along with his series, along with his arc. Yeah. It was not even a full year. October 2016 till May 2017 and then the the issue in Inhumans before that all right so the next person I wanted to highlight character's name is Darius Smith actually have the graphic novel here the graphic novel is XO Genesis so this is created by Johnny O'Brien he's the creator um story was made by TD McIntosh and the artist is one of my favorite people who I follow. His name is Nicholas Draper Ivy. I encourage you all to check him out. He does a lot of great art, and especially comes to representing uh, black characters within his own art or reimagining commonly known like anime characters as black, and it's really cool. So this debuted in March 27th, 2017. And the biggest part about the story here, um, this is in the future. Future is like 2077, if I remember correctly. And it's a future where there is like this high tech um, mixed martial arts sort of competition called XO Genesis. And Darius, he's a young youth, um, navigating life, but also he lives in a rough neighborhood. So you see him, he has this art, this gift for art. But also, you just see him just getting into like tough situations, um, especially when it comes to like there's like this large gang um, that occupies his neighborhood. And there's this one time where this gang bumps into him, causes him trouble, eventually sweeps them. And he's caught by one of a popular Exogenesis um, founders who take him on to be a part of an Exogenesis team. So you see him being able to become like this huge badass um, of a fighter and you also see that he's rough around the edges but he's also very loving towards his mom and towards his sister who he's trying to keep out of trouble while also sort of acknowledging the sort of systems around him that are sort of like oppressing him as well 
So it's really cool. The art is phenomenal. And once again, shout out to Nicholas Draper Ivy for some of these panels and some of these screens here. They're beautiful. And the one thing about the character that I, I really love is that you see this dude get beaten up quite bad. No spoilers, but it gets a bit graphic when it comes to seeing some of the pain that he goes through. However, you also see the resilience associated with that while he's fighting and also his mentality, how family and just like the grit um, sort of keeps him going. And I think when it comes to like embodying a youth who's given like an opportunity of his dreams to be a part of this um, with Exogenesis, but also being able to explore him as like a, within his, the dynamics of his family as well. It's a cool graphic novel. There's only one issue out so far, and it is made by a group called uh, Noir Caesar, um, and they are a group that creates um, like black-centered graphic novels and manga. So I encourage you all, if you have an interest, check it out. They're an amazing group, and they have a lot of big things going. And Exogenesis is gonna be getting, they're working on the anime for it as well. So big stuff there. Darius Smith is my guy and oh the one last thing I wanted to highlight with him was he had a quote that was pretty cool um after he beat up this rival gang and um and he was selected to be a part of uh, he's pretty much drafted to be a part of this team and a whole bunch of reporters approach him and one quote he said that was pretty cool was and for context the, the, the rival gang is called the flaming 60s um, he said, I fought the Flaming 60 because no one around here would. No one. They don't run this city. We all deserve to be here and to be anywhere equally. Why bully? What does that achieve? And I thought that when it comes to being aware, well, they're talking about a gang, just surveying like the context, whether it be of like the current state when it comes to the US government or when it comes to folks oppressing. Um, the idea of being able to be aware of spaces that you want to be equally like accessible and safe for people and also being to the space where you're pushed to want to fight to resist that um, is something I thought was really powerful with the character himself. So yeah, that's Darius Smith, Exogenesis. Definitely check it out. Um, I love that you showed like a few of the panels and also, um, I mean, there, there has been like a long history of um, the Eurocentric art form of comics and and even anime, right? Like, because I know like anime is, a, is like originated in Japan, correct? And yet, obviously all the characters' features are anglicized, right? Like, the, the, they look like white people. So it's so important, I feel, to have black characters in the anime, like manga world. Because I think for a long time, a lot of like uh, black characters or um, what's that word? Like, uh, like characters that were assumed to be black, like they were, they were portrayed in such like uh, problematic, racially ignorant ways. Um, so it's so important that this is that this is here and yeah. Yeah, and the thing with um, the company Noir Caesar is that you know, black artists, black centered stories and 
just exploring the realm of like anime and manga to have that representation as well because there are a lot of black folks who love mm-hmm. anime and manga yeah we don't see ourselves a lot or as you mentioned some of the representations they, I think they've done a better job and Greg you could chime in here as well of like representing us some pieces but I think there's still a bit of work to be done as well yes I don't really know what to say because you yeah, have black people in anime before they honestly they look goofy and that is an understatement like a lot of times it'd be like their their lips just look ridiculous mr popo that's what yeah. i was thinking. <laughs> i don't want to assume mr popo was black but definitely yeah, just... they, they borrowed from from some stereotypes <laughs> to make that character for sure what? what's the man is is past black he's like tar darkness yeah darkness. <laughs> well, but black face black those characters they don't say they're black but they like will use those character characters character you say i can't (laughs) okay they use those like those features that they used to use honestly during like the blackface era to create those characters so they won't say they're black but they'll use those same problematic imagery and so I am glad that, what's this called? Noir? Noir Caesar. Noir Caesar is here. I'm glad that they are here. Are they like a new studio or? No, they've been around for maybe 20, I want to note to 2017 around there. Sorry, do you like, for a second, a... I thought you were going to say 20 years. I'm like, yeah, that's what I thought too. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> nah, but no, I, Maybe that's the same one I heard of because I did hear about there was like a black studio that was being formed to like produce, I think it was like black anime or cartoons. I don't really know. Amazing. Yeah, they've been expanding quite a bit. So I think it may be the same, the same. Might be, yeah. For my second character, I chose to highlight someone named Zach Taylor or as other people would probably recognize him more as the Black Power Ranger. Which is, shirt, why, yeah, which is why I wore this. <laughs> so, yeah. And he was in the... Um, I'm mean, kind of flipping between uh, the Mighty Morphin comic and the, the 90s TV show. So, the, in the TV show, he was played by Walter Emanuel Jones. Uh, he was actually in a lot of other things. I didn't realize when I didn't write down exactly what it was but when I looked it up I was like wait he was in that so he's in other things too uh director I'll jump to why I like him obviously as a kid watching the show it was nice to see uh, a fellow black person in it but me being little me my favorite character initially was actually the Blue Ranger because I like blue. <laughs> <laughs> and that, but I would say he was a close second or third because then the Green Ranger came along and who doesn't like the Green Ranger? <laughs> <laughs> it was so conflicting. But yes, um, I would say one thing I actually found out and it was it's on Wikipedia too, but in the comic, it's he's he is actually second in command of the Power Rangers. Like, I don't know if this is like even when Tommy joins, but like before it was Jason and Zach in leadership roles. So 
This is highlighted more in the Mighty Morphin comic. Well, I have one of them here. This is volume two. It's kind of really bad, but uh, at least bad picture, not bad comic. <laughs> um, one thing that when I when I read it, I like I was like like Zach honestly went from here to like so high <laughs> after I read it. So I. I guess this is kind of a spoiler for issue five, but I'm sorry, I'm going to say it anyways. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to read off my little summary. So, doo -doo 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 -doo. Uh, the rangers are fighting a monster. I don't remember exactly where. And then, uh, let's see, they were in their Megazord, and obviously the monster was big. So, I believe Jason, in all, Jason came out, which is the Red Ranger. He hopped out to fight the monster because I think it's shrunk but then he left Zack in the Megazord to pilot it so and after Jason I think cut it with the sword and killed it all the civilians started cheering they're like yeah Red Ranger Red Ranger and then it cuts to uh, uh, Rita Repulsa which is the the initial main villain it's, it's just like a, a female witch in space <laughs> um, and she noticed that Zack was feeling well not he looked like he was he was angry because everyone was cheering for the Red Ranger when honestly he had a big part to play in their whole victory. So Rita Pulsa actually had Zack kidnapped and what she do? She offered him the power of the Green Ranger. And she was saying like uh like it's I can only I know how it feels to like to like know you can lead but not given the chance so Zach was saying like he he considered it initially because then she showed him like can I can, can I yeah I can wow open right to the page <laughs> you can see she like showed him uh an illusion of him in the green ranger suit so it's kind of hard to tell there but yes she showed him like a little vision of it and he was like obviously that's nice like i can be a leader and she always says like she's doing all this to like benefit humanity she's like oh i'm gonna cause like like push order and such but obviously i'm, I'm assuming her methods is not great it's probably like a dictatorship <laughs> um so was zach was he was tempted by it, he said but he was like no i don't want that so he was trying to steal the power or he was trying to steal the Green Ranger power from her so she wouldn't use it. But then she got it back and he obviously teleported back to his headquarters. And he told uh, Zordon, which is their leader, it's a, a, a dude in a glass tube, <laughs> just his face. <laughs> um, and let's see, I want to say a quote he said. So after he told Zordon and Zordon was saying like, he's like, uh, I can tell something's wrong, Zach. So like, Tell me what's wrong and then he was saying uh i don't care about leading like we have all this great power uh i just want to do more for the world so it shows like his maturity and it's he's just something honestly like after that that issue alone like my respect for zach like just skyrocketed because honestly like i just said green ranger so cool who wouldn't want to be the green ranger with your own little flute dagger and your dragon sword <laughs> and um after he goes back to his group and then uh jason says like oh like 
thanks for earlier today. Like we couldn't uh, beat the monster without you. It's like, he's like, who are the Power Rangers without you? So it's like his team, like they appreciate him. It's not just like, oh, it's, Zach did nothing. It's just like, he's off doing his own thing. Like obviously his whole team appreciates him. So it's good to see that not only, I guess that he's a good character, but he has good support from the rest of his team. Uh, what else is there? Oh, the comics put out by Boom Studio again. <laughs> uh, do debut date for for the cart. Well, I'll say for the show was August twenty eighth, nineteen ninety three, and the comic debut date was January sixth, twenty sixteen. Uh, and his powers, Black Power Ranger, so they have super strength. Uh wields the power axe and can summon the mastodon dinosaur pretty sure that's dinosaur <laughs> yeah dinosaur <laughs> dinosaur this is a dinosaur themed episode I don't know. Whatever I think of dinosaurs, well, I guess all of them. Like, Mastodon obviously doesn't come to mind. Like dinosaurs, Mastodon. Like, oh. <laughs> dinosaurs, T Rex. Yeah, I think of like T Rex, Triceratops, Pterodactyl, and then you got Sabretooth and Mastodon. <laughs> <laughs> we literally <laughs> just did that like at the same time. I missed it. Okay, so my first two were DC and Marvel, so it's only right that I come with an independent. So for that, I am going to highlight Niobe Ayutami of Niobe, she is death. Well, I guess she is death and she is life. So she debuted in The Untamed, A Sinner's Prayer in December, 2011. And then these two actually came out in 2019 and then 2020. So the creator and writer is Sebastian Jones and the illustrator is Sheldon Mitchell. So why I I like her is because she's a brown skinned elf with dreadlocks. And she's, she's a daughter of two types of elves. So this is relatable because it feels like representation for multiracial people because she too is mixed. I really liked that she was confused and unsure of her place in the world and she was able to find that by exploring basically. Um, Most people think of vulnerability as something that you develop out of, like that you can like no longer be vulnerable if you have more confidence. But with her, it's some, you find out that it's like something that you have, you always have vulnerability and that's important. You can be confident and vulnerable. And it's really important for us to realize that as black women, because black women are supposed, are seen to be like, you have to have all the confidence. You have to fill up the room and you shouldn't be vulnerable because it'll be held against you. Um, what I found cool, I don't know if you can see it in this, but she is what in our society we would call heterochromia or she has two different colored eyes. So one of her eyes is hazel and the other one is blue. And her father has the same distinguishing feature 
and she's the illegitimate child of said father so he has people hunting her down so that she can be killed and she doesn't really have a power per se but she's a courageous warrior and she embodies both life and death she can go she went to like the death realm i guess and she has healing powers that she's learned that's that's pretty much it what she wields a sword uh black women in fantasy because fantasy and sci-fi are different things right it's important yeah. to be represented in those spaces yeah but well, yeah. the, the art looks like dope and what i seen on here on the cover well here, so. let me see that's the cover but let's see inside yeah the inside's good too Mm. I read one of them. I don't remember which one. I think it was she's. I'm pretty sure it's death. this one. Is that one death? Yeah, well, they're both deaths. I think, yeah. I think yeah, this was issue death. one. Mm, she's like Jon Snow low key. Like, <laughs> I don't know if that's bad for you to say, but like, with From the, the beginning, the I was like, one day I'll cosplay her. That day hasn't come yet, but it oh can start. I, mean, I would help you make like the outfit because that in itself like seems like it would take a lot of effort. I'll, I will help you. <laughs> Now that we've highlighted some of the Black characters that we've admired in our graphic novels and comics, it's only right for us to talk about the heroic and courageous community leaders that we have within our everyday lives. Debbie, what did you decide to highlight for this week? Okay, so the community hero that I wanted to highlight is Yannick Branford. Um, she's a young Black woman who is currently a student um, at Ryerson University. Um, in uh, She's doing her degree in biomedical physics. Uh, her research focuses on developing a new imaging modality for proton therapy cancer treatment. That's a whole bunch of science that I don't know, but good for her, amazing for her. Um, but that's not um, all she does. The reason I wanted to highlight her is because she founded an organization called Help a Girl Out um, in 2016, uh, which focuses on uh, period poverty. Uh, Yannick herself struggled with period poverty firsthand as a teenager when she was living in the Caribbean and then later when she um, was doing her undergrad degree in Canada. So she kind of saw that period poverty isn't just an issue in developing nations, but also in countries like Canada where we think that, you know, these things aren't happening. All right, so just to get a, give a bit of info. Um, so uh on, on period poverty so many females around the world are forced um like are, are shamed um and like forced into isolation from their families because of their menstruation cycle um and in a lot of cultures it's considered taboo um and and period poverty is a global pandemic because a lot of girls are resorting to using items like newspapers plastic socks towels clothes or previously used disposable um, pads and things like that when they when they're like going about in their everyday life and like it sometimes it gets so bad that women and girls are having to decide between like eating food or buying the like period products and so she created this organization to address this issue well included the um, her Instagram account 
in the in the description so she created this account to not only spread awareness but they do a lot of outreach work where they do they like go to schools and communities to talk about this they they also um, hold fundraisers to provide um, period products for girls and women in different communities and I, I wanted to highlight this because I think I mean um, even as like for myself like as a little brown girl living out here in the world trying to you know provide for me and my brother like I've had these issues also and I honestly didn't think that people were talking about it or that society was ready to make changes that would support women that are going through this um recently I think it was Quebec that made period products that they're going to be making it free and I think I'm hoping that Ontario follows suit and I think this organization is a big part of why that change is happening. Um, so Yannick Bramford is actually the winner of the 2020 Canada's Hero Award, um, which is a super big deal and I think she's doing amazing work. So there you go. Yay! I was like nervous to say that because I was like, I, I know we're talking about some like Marvel stuff and superpowers and stuff, but this is a serious issue. I, society itself already traumatizes girls for having a menstrual cycle and so then when they do have issues where they can't get the products that they need like they face such isolation stigmatization and like like it's true like you're taught to you're supposed to hide it go to work like if you like nothing's any different honestly like i think even like because on if you go to their to their website um like she she tells her story i feel like that's like we're taught to be like oh we shouldn't complain about our periods or things like that but i she her even putting her own story out there and she details it like i think that's powerful in itself because why should we hide a part of our lives that happens monthly we shouldn't be ashamed of the struggles that it's caused us or society has caused us because of it Shout out to Yannick Bradford and her amazing work. Yeah. Black superhero. Yeah. Black superhero. Yeah. Hey guys, just to let you know, we're about halfway through our Black History Month February cover art challenge 21. Um, so check us out if you want participate you don't have to don't feel like you have to do every single one because i know it's hard um go check out us on youtube the melanin marbles as well as spotify google Podcasts, all that stuff's link in bio as well as go follow our guest over here greg at regular 167 as well as his art page g faulty and check my page fresh princess 92 for greg's gg3 he just released a new one this month so check it out yeah again thank you guys for having me on here i also didn't realize say i'm your first guest so yeah <laughs> nice to have that honor and i really enjoyed obviously having our conversation about all these uh black artists black comics everything black <laughs> But yes, I really enjoyed it, and um, I hope everyone else tunes into all your stuff because it's really good. All right, so thank you for joining us on our Black History Month special. Um, we all also wore super cool outfits for this episode, so we're all gonna show stand up to show you what we're wearing. 
Orphan time. Mastodon. All right. Um, so we hope that you learned a lot and um, have a great Black History Month. Um, we also want to hear from you. Who are some of your favorite uh, Black heroes in comics or anime, um, as well as in your community? Uh, leave it down in the description. We're always wanting to hear from you. Again, thank you. We hope you learned a lot and have a great Black History Month. interested in continuing the conversation feel free to add us on at the melanin marvels on instagram